Hello, Podwalkers, and welcome back to the first time that the hosts are getting together in two months. Yes, we have not actually done an episode together since the Trevor Project episode, which was our lead-in to MagicCon Minneapolis at the very beginning of May. So it's been a, a long time. Um, a, I recorded a solo episode if people didn't get a chance to hear recently, kind of talking about uh, a lot of really what had been going on from my end and especially with uh, just more recently. And um, yeah, so we are back. We have a new episode for you all. Before we get started, we want to thank the Grinding Coffee Company. Uh, I, I have been listening and Alex and Taya have done an amazing job of making sure that we are shouting them out because uh, the Grinding Coffee Company is just, they're they're fantastic. They're just so willing to always jump in and donate for any of our events. And it's considering that at least one third of this cast basically runs on caffeine. That is a necessary requirement. So yeah, uh, today we're going to be talking universes beyond. We're going to be talking Lord of the Rings in particular, even though we're kind of at the point now where just even discussing what universes beyond kind of is and, you know, what, what, what some of the trepidations were around them and where we're going from here. We're going to focus that conversation, I think, a little bit more on Lord of the Rings, but we may just talk about the, the whole concept. And with that, we have an opening question. So my name is Hobbs Q. Uh, I go by pronouns he, him. And our opening question, which I'm going to be the last to answer because I did not think of anything as we sat here, uh, is what 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 would you like to have for a universes beyond? So I guess what what IP or what world would you want for a universes beyond? So I'll throw it over to Taya first. Hi, I'm Taya. I'm a Taya Transcends uh, on Twitter or Blue Sky, although I'm not really posting much on Blue Sky yet. Uh, um, she, her, or they, them pronouns. And my answer to this is I'd like the, the Miyazaki universe. So you can pull from any of the various movies and make a magic set of that for me, uh, please. And, and that would have the absolute greatest food tokens the game has. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, you've got Hobbits-like food. <laughs> <laughs> we, even have, we can even have cursed food from the Spirited Away Um Oh, yeah. All right. Well, I guess I'll jump in. Uh, I'm Alex. Found on, Alex can find on Twitter at Mel underscore Chronicler. My pronouns are, are he, him. And I, I guess the answer I'll go for this, which is it's the low hanging fruit for me, but that's fine, is is just it's Mass Effect. It's my favorite franchise thing. It's they're definitely my the trilogy, are definitely my favorite video games. Um, and I've been kind of itching to get back into the game. It's been over a year since I played through the original trilogy, so I've been thinking about it lately. So it was the first thing to hand. And at first I was like, well, you know, sci-fi doesn't really meld with magic as well. And then I remembered they did Warhammer 40K, so all bets are off for things like this. It's like, ah, maybe maybe I can dare hope um, to see some Mass Effect magic cards. I think one of the, the weird wrinkles for that, which could be interesting, is what to do with the actual character Shepard, who is the main character of the trilogy, because they're such a blank slate for the players to build their story. But I don't know, maybe they just go five color like Tom Bombadil, or maybe they don't put them in the set. And I think either way, whether the character's there or not, oh, it be Shep better be in the set. Oh, yes, that's that's fair. I, I, I would be disappointed not to see Femship, but I would be entertained, I think, to see no Shepard and then see how people react. But that may or may not make a better set. 
So it's all okay. So I, I, I'm sitting here going through a couple of different uh, options. Um, and I, what's funny, Alex, is you kind of mentioned the, the sci-fi. And my, my brain actually just jumped to Star Wars. Because, I mean, I think that that's, that's, that still is probably one of my favorite universes. And there is a lot of options there to, to draw from. And actually almost too much. Because I mean, I think we saw this with Lord of the Rings, even though we're only talking three books. It's still a pretty rich world. And they didn't even bring in stuff from uh, the Similarillion or the Unfinished Tales or some of Tolkien's other works. So, like, Star Wars is so massive and big that I'm actually going to go because, and this is, mm, so I'm going to go with Stephen King, but I'm going to go even more narrow and go the Dark Tower series, which is kind of what you were going to say when you said more narrow. Cool. That's pretty. Oh, yeah. So that's good. So like, it's, it's it actually has Stephen King in it, too. If you've ever read the whole like series, it actually kind of wraps around to encompassing a lot of his world and it references some of his other works. But it would also finally get us the like a testing ground in some ways for the Wild West type set that we haven't had. So yeah, along with like a little bit of a tie-in of a sci-fi potential, because I mean, that's the, it kind of is going between like, it goes between multiversal worlds, uh, like, a, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. doors and portals. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, but I, yeah. I really like the Dark Tower series. And I like Stephen King in general. It's just, once again, that could be way too wide. I mean, you could do a whole Innistrad-like plane, but yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I and I, I realize, like you say, Star Trek, or sorry, Star Wars. I'm thinking one of the other th- things that I, I think would be fun about Mass Effect or any science fiction thing is, is frankly, I'd, I'd love to see some more of the un. Oh my goodness! Like the basic the, lands, the recent unset that had all the space <laughs> lands. Yes, yeah. yeah. both, mm-hmm. both the uh, the shocks and the basics. Yeah. So it would be fun. It, honestly, any universes beyond it would be interesting to see what they do with lands. I'm, I love basic lands. I love the lands in, in the Lord of the Rings set. So I'm, I'm interested to see kind of what they do. There's with only the lands. one thing lacking about the Lord of the Rings set new lands. Well, two actually the, 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 the let's just start it off then. Yeah. Cause just, we're, we're on to talking about this. Uh, I guess we should talk about what universes beyonds are. I guess theoretically there's, a way that people do not know uh lord universe beyond is using other uh properties and bringing them into magic the gathering now they are sets that don't fit into magic the gathering lore so yes it is kind of this funny weird thing that you can now especially in edh have some really strange flavor but you know they they don't fit into the wider continuity of magic story that we have to worry about bringing in um yeah yeah yeah, and and the most recent example, the biggest example, kind of is is Lord of the Rings. I guess the D and D sets are technically they're not technically universes beyond, but they fit into a similar category where it's a full set of cards that are part of a different IP. But they they did a few other things that are again kind of like this. I think there's a a specific line called universes beyond, but then they also had a few secret layers, um, like the Walking Dead one. I think the Street Fighter one is actually Universes Beyond. And so it's, yeah, it, it started with the, the Walking Dead one was their first release of this completely external IP. Yes. And right. boy, that was controversial when that happened. Uh-huh. Yes, that's right. And so it's... For oh, a couple of reasons, was, too, if we want to start yeah. with kind of what it was. You know, the, the thing about this with them being non-canon, non-lore based is they 
theoretically then reprints is where the issue kind of came right. up. Yeah, they were making mechanic, mechanically unique cards. Yes. That um, there would not, at the time, you know, would not be a in magic skin reprinting of. Yes, uh, and the secret layers have their own thing because those are limited availability product that, like you say, are, you'd have mechanically unique cards that you can only order for those 30 days, 60 days, and then you have to get them on the secondary market. That's it. Whereas like a booster product is on the market for, is in print for some amount of time and they make a lot more of it. It's, it's a lot more available for years as a window as opposed to a month or two. And so, yeah, there, there's that. And then also wrapped in the fact that that was the first one you have a lot of, um, a lot of concern, I think some legitimate, some, some less just about how the IP is going to fit and about the fact that magic is introducing cards that aren't in magic's universe. Cause as a card game, there's a lot of story and a lot of lore in magic that go most, almost all the way back to the beginning. That was a thing fairly early. I and mean, we talk a lot about that on this, this cast, but then we're now for the very first time starting to pull in other ips and there's there was a lot there wasn't as much trust in wizards at the time i think that's been a that's been a thing for the last number of years and so there's some concern about them just sort of pumping in a bunch of cards from different ips that may or may not affect the game itself just for a cash grab sort of thing so i know know that was part of the conversation too Right. Like if you think it's like, you know, they're saying it's to bring in other audiences, to bring in these these new things. And and I will say, you know, for up until the I think it's interesting we're talking about this at Lord of the Rings because I'll be honest, there is it was a lot easier for me to say this just isn't for me with mm-hmm. these, which is yeah. fine. I mean, that's something that's harder for me to say with some of the other stuff that is actually within the magic universe or, you know, I might need to pay attention to a few cards from some of these things. But, you know, like until we got to Lord of the Rings, I, I really didn't have like a deep connection to some a lot of these other IPs. Yeah, and and I'll say at least for me me personally, I was not concerned, but a little a little weirded out. Like it, it weirded me out a little bit, if that makes sense. Where I was like, this is magic kind of going in a different direction, and I don't think it's necessarily wrong, but it is different, and different always feels weird sometimes. Um, I think they. I still think magic has too high of a product cadence, but I'll say that this doesn't seem to have increased that cadence. So at least in that that regard. Kind of takes the place of the core set this year, even Mm -hmm. though it's only a modern legal set. um, It released in pretty much the same spot. The core set usually would have. Yeah. And like, and then now, now you mentioned, I hadn't really thought about this, but as a modern, not standard legal, like, we're not getting a modern masters. Oh, but we are getting commander masters this year, aren't we? Yes. Okay, that's right. So yeah, and then so for me, I think that hasn't b- bore out as much, and and I, I'm I'm much less bothered by this. I don't even say that I was really bothered by it, but it it hasn't caused an issue for me, even if it initially it, it caused me to kind of look at it a little bit. Frankly, um, I kind of like some of the Street Fighter ones. 
<laughs> no, that was just a secret layer. It was a small little thing. I was like, that's just kind of neat to see these characters as like the as Maltos potential commanders. designs were really good too, and I've, they've done that well with like the, the universes beyond the the Warhammer 40k ones were so good from a, a you know a lore standpoint. You know, I'm not a big Warhammer 40k fan, but listening to people who are talk about how well they nailed the lore aspect on them. Uh, with the, the flavor abilities and stuff. Uh, and it, it really just, you know, it told me a lot about the lore of something I don't know a lot of lore about. Yeah. And I, uh, I mean, wow, there's so many just directions to go with this because I think that is kind of a good point, um, Taya, that I was thinking of to begin with, is the lore is already established, right? So what we're getting on the card in terms of lore in some ways is either nods to past, you know, like artwork that's nods, um, card names that are nods, flavor text, those sorts of things to already establish lore. So the Melthos place is the place, right? Like Mel, like the mechanics is where you're going to make or break. So many opportunities for real Mel hits in these cards mm -hmm. uh, because we know the story behind them. And the one thing you mentioned with the art, especially is I want to bring up the, these sets, this and the Warhammer set where we've gotten commander product and we've gotten all these new arts on this reprints these sets are also just huge from the art standpoint where we get these different universe takes on the art like the uh reprint for farseek from warhammer 40k with the scout bike and just someone out scouting for land is my favorite art for farseek and well i'm know, sitting here i have gotten the, I have... art like that in magic um without the 40k set I have the the Grixis one and the just like the the art on some of these reprints, the arcane denial, deep analysis with with just being kind of this uh, you know like uh, inside kind of the um, uh, sorry the um, when they're going into the mines of Moria with like Gandalf quotes about like about that. I mean, it's just like the the, the it's the the way that they can get some great new art like anger really being just yeah sorry i'm just like looking through because there are a ton of reprints in this and even the gutter snipe is a goblin shaman that is in like moria like it's really cool to like see how to take something like a gutter snipe but actually in some ways randomly does feel a little bit hard to pull out of world um because of you know i really associate it with ravnica so much they did it like it looks cool to bring it into Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah, and I, I'm in. Uh, I mean, well, look before we move on, <laughs> Goblin Crater Maker. What they did with that one was so perfect. Yeah, it's there's so many good okay. ones. God, sorry, I, I I had a thought and then I lost my thought and now I remember my thought. It was, it was talking about. <laughs> sorry, yeah. that's just how we go. Um, yeah. It's interesting. It, it it just hit me as we're talking about this that when you you said um, this lore is already established, it's it just hit me. This is in a lot of ways, in a weird way, sort of harkening back to like the very very first sets of magic, the first expansions of magic, even even the the alpha beta unlimited stuff a little bit, which was evoking less specific things but more sort of tropey things. But like Arabian Nights was specifically. Uh, evoking real world mythology in, in the Arabian nights. Um, and they did a little bit more of that. You know, they had some real world quotes. You'd have, 
I still have a mind stone with a, the, oh man, what's his name? This is, this is the problem with me randomly thinking of things. And I remember half of it, but like they had real world quotes for a long time in a lot of early stuff too. And so you have this flavor text now from these other, you know, this Warhammer world or quotes from characters in the Lord of the Rings world. And it has a very similar feeling to that. Here we go. I found it. It's, it's Rene Descartes, who is a 15, 16th century philosopher. Um, and I really appreciate that the quote they have from him is not his most famous quote, which he's the guy. And I think I've even said this on the cast, but he's the guy who said, I think therefore I am, which is a quote you could easily have put on Mindstone, But instead they went with except our own thoughts. There is nothing absolutely in our own power. But so it's interesting to have this sort of repeat almost where we're going, we're having something like we did in the early days before they started to establish lore for magic. Cause once they sort of figured that out, they're just like, and we're going to kind of not incorporate the Arabian night stuff. And we're going to mostly, and it's, uh, antiquities was the second expansion. And so they sort of retroactively fit most of that into the storyline that they started to tell about Urza and stuff and moved forward with that. And we didn't get a lot of places like this that had reference to things that weren't magic within the cards. Sorry, that's a weird tangent, but um, that's okay. So, how we ended up here, even now that we're we're here, is was the basic lands. Um, so, if people have, I, yeah, you were mentioning the basic lands, Alex, and how for like your property, that would be one of the things you'd want to do. It is true; they could do really cool things with the basics, and they did Tolkien style map art for the ones from Lord of the Rings, which is some of my favorite art. Like, maybe that's art that I just grew up with that style of mapping with the lettering and everything. So, However, <laughs> the cards, unlike others in the set, where they actually formed like six and larger card panoramas, like battle scenes that take place across multiple cards. I think Tyler Jacobson's, I don't remember, I think it's 12 or maybe 16 cards. Like they have these giant cards that actually stitch together. The lands do not. And they're all in the same color ink. <laughs> So they are really hard from a like visual standpoint to differentiate across a table. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a, that's a little bit of a thing too, which I think was a bit of a concern when we start to have cards like, well, really the Godzilla's where this started before universes beyond where we kind of have cards that are mechanically something else, but then represented as something within the property. Like I'm looking at, like we have the, the dead marshes are mechanically Urborg tomb of Yagmoth, but, but then again, recognizing cards again across the table is a thing that maybe went, uh, went out the window. Oh, yeah, that's out the window. Five or six versions I, of the same card in the same set. But with my lands, I would like to be able to at least not think everything is a forest across the table from me. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. So let's talk about what some highs and lows are for us all. in, in with Lord of the Rings. Anybody yeah. have one they want to start with? Uh, I can start. It's real easy for me. The lands are one of the high things. Like there's a bunch of lands I'm going to be picking up. I was just going through and, and tinkering around with some of my decks. And I realized there's a few in my joined lands deck. Um, one of the cards I have in there that I was pr- 
thinking I might never get a fun, fancy version of was Deserted Temple. And uh, we have Weathertop, like a full art Weathertop that is Deserted Temple um, in this set. And I will probably be looking for that for that set for that deck. And uh, I mean, Minas Murgle as Cabal Coffers is also just an incredible art. Yeah, like those box topper ones. I will say too, just yeah. even the 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 like the utility lands um, in this, I think, are really good. So, like the great, there's a big sub theme of legendary matters, which is one of the things I was going to bring up. I saw a post recently about just how many legendary creatures are in the set. Um, it, it's something like it now represents one out of every fifteen legendaries is from this set. I think was the, the number that somebody had referenced. So. With that, though, there are a lot of lands that if you do like the Legendary Matters type things, there, there are, you know, like lands that come into play tapped unless you control a Legendary, tapped for multiple colors if you have a Legendary. One of the standouts from the set has been Delighted Halfling, which is a one oh, mana yeah. that taps for, like, colorless, or one mana of any color on a Legendary spell, and the spell can't be countered. Right, <laughs> like, yeah. Because you, you don't want your... Yo, you want your commander not to be countered. Uh, and, you know, it's a, yeah, on a land war elf. On a land war and, elf. And it's a one-two, so it can't be killed by one damage fingers like Ren and Six. Or an Orcish Bowmaster coming yeah. in. Yeah. It's wild. It's a one-two land war elf that produces colorless and can't be countered. I mean, that's just... Yeah. And, and like we said, Legendary Matters is becoming like a very common archetype in this set. Oh, yeah. There's like five cards in this set I've got to somehow figure out how to put into my uh, Dihada deck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Alex, so like the lands, I think there's a lot there. Yeah. Yeah, and so even the even just the ones in the set, like the basics are beautiful. The the you know monocolor cycle of legendary lands are great. I'm looking at Shire Terrace and like, does this go in it? My lands deck probably. Um, it's it's cool. Like I, I really like the lands in this. That that's something I'm looking to pick up. I don't know how much of this set I want to pick up because, I mean, I'll be honest. I at this point am stubbornly trying not to understand how the ring tempts you mechanic works because <laughs> I still don't, and I kind of would like to go through the rest of my life not knowing. I think maybe that's fine. That's weird with attractions. So. Outside of that, like the lands, at least I think look really good, and I want to get some of them. Okay. So my first card that I want to discuss, and this is one of those Melthos wins that I, I really wanted, was Arwen Mortal Queen. Mm, yes. Yeah. Entering with an indestructible counter that you can then remove to put a bunch of buff counters on her and another creature. Yep. That is... And, and not to mention that this art by uh, Miranda Meeks is just amazing art too yep <laughs> yeah this is a melthos one that i really enjoyed um another one for me for the melthos side and this is my this this actually it probably is my favorite card in the set is tom bombadil um <laughs> yeah i mean that was yeah. just that was yep. a perfect one i really wanted to make that deck but i knew about five other people who are also yeah. making that deck so and like it, it that's the thing it definitely is a five color 
it, it, at least it's a five cutter linear, right? Like it leads yeah. itself to a certain kind of build, but it is at least a build and not just five color good stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, but this for me is because Tom Bombadil has not been represented in like any version that we've seen, um, yeah. animated the original movies. I mean, he's been the, the books that we, that was the thing. So like the, Tom Bombadil is, is something that is almost this weird. I mean, he is considered a legendary creature. God bard. I mean, yeah. this is why he's hard to represent in a movie, right? I mean, like you know, Melthos. Yes. Well, and, and when you only have like, how long are the four, three movies combined? Like 12 hours. Yeah. That's oh. not a lot of time to represent Tom Bombadil. No, yeah. <laughs> Yo, I, no, like it, you gotta make it, it's, cuts somewhere. You yeah. do, you do like there, it is, it is an easy cut, but it is from like the stories and then getting him his love of, of, uh, Goldenberry and they play so well together. Yeah. She can, she can be taking down sagas and, the just the 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 tie together there of Tom Bombadil is almost like the holder of sagas when this set does also have a ton of sagas. So I like this because it goes wider, but also they did include a lot of stories that like are referenced in the in within Lord of the Rings. And so I I <laughs> love Tom Bombadil. The art on it, both versions of it are absolutely amazing. I do like kind of the ring one, but the, the original art here, there's just the, the standard one from Dimitri Burmack. This is where I'm going to get into my first negative of the set. <laughs> it is gorgeous art. There's a lot of gorgeous art in this set. However, the way that universes beyond works. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I means know what you're going to say here that flat out now, actually, and this didn't, this wasn't true to start with, but they've actually even, clamp down on this even more the art is only allowed to be digital oh because the art is not allowed to be sold oh artist proofs are not allowed to exist prints are not allowed to exist play mats can only be done directly through whatever ultra pro does on them Oh my goodness yeah that makes sense i the didn't artists don't get think any of, of the bonuses they normally get at all no. Yeah. So they get paid at a higher base rate for doing one doing art for the set. Okay. Um, it's but, at least something, but still. But I'm not sure that it <laughs> it, it doesn't make up for as much as, as no. artist proofs and stuff was. And now I don't know. I mean, I know for 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 you know, licensing being what licensing yeah. is. I understand that there's contracts and everything that are involved, but it is the thing that is the biggest downside to me of these sets. Um, yeah. There, it also meant that we lost out on art by some people. So um, most notably Donato, who is Giancola, who does has done a lot of Lord of the Rings art, does not work um, digitally. Mm. So he has done like full-on art exhibits related to Lord of the Rings art and Middle Earth and everything else did not do anything for this set. Uh, and we actually didn't end up getting even getting the brothers Hildebrandt, who both are huge within the, the, the Lord of the Rings art world. So there are things that were kind of a little bit of a bummer that are more to do with just contracts and to do with, this is one of those limits of using other IPs. Yeah, this is this is the the licensing. It's one of the biggest downsides is licensing is weird and yes and causes things like this. Okay. Yes. I didn't so, I didn't realize any of that. That sucks. Yeah. 
Yep. 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 So when we get an amazing new uh, goblin like Moria Marauder, double strike, whenever a goblin or orc you control deals combat damage to a player, you get to exile the top card of your library. You may play it this turn. Well, can't make the goblin deck. <laughs> yeah. So. So Tom Bombadil got us to bring in the, at least the, the art piece, which I wanted to make sure we did hit on. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. And it's 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 important to say both the downside there, but also just this art is gorgeous. Um, but also we're, we're an audio format and it's hard to spend a lot of time on that. So I'm glad it, we did get. <laughs> no, no, work. really. Listen, if you if you could yeah. pull it up on your screen right now. OK, we'll wait. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Park your car if you're driving and then look at this up on your phone. Um, yeah, I think. I want to, and maybe this is something that takes us a while, but I want to talk about a little bit. This is a thing that, uh, Taya, even you, you talked about in, in an episode you and I recorded fairly recently, um, looking at the legends in this set, and a lot of them got multiple versions, multiple cards for the same person, and, and kind of talking about that a little bit from a Milthos color um, uh, color pie standpoint. Oh, I'm so glad and you I have this down. I'm so glad you have this down. The the first thing that I want I want to talk about is is Arwen and Aragorn. Um to to kind of piggyback off what you were saying earlier today about Arwen because I think that's it's really interesting not even looking at I know there's some other printings of them in the commander decks but just in the booster set you've got two printings of our Ar- Ar- Aragorn plus one of Strider, two printings of Arwen and then the one of them together. And it's it's really interesting to see there's a bunch of elves who are green-blue, but then Arwen, Mortal Queen, who is th- representing her after she has wed Aragorn, is green-white, which matches his green-white um, in one of his cards when he's sort of leading the group and the green-white of the two of them, um, the, the card of the two of them combined. So I love... From a Milfo standpoint, I love seeing that. And, and I'm sure we'd really dig into this mechanics, which I'm less interested in. We can see where all of these colors are coming from and why you're doing that a little bit. But I love that because this is not a magic thing. And this is a point you brought up to in the, that episode, because this is not a magic world. Wizards isn't super tied to, well, then if we bring that, you know, if we add this color to Chandra, if we add this color to this character or that character, that sort of changes what we have to represent in the future or might change this. It doesn't matter. This is the one set they're doing. This is not their IP. This is someone else's IP. So it's, it's, they're kind of going around it the other way. We're like, well, how do we want to represent them within our world? But I also love because this is a this is a topic we talked about I don't know, a few months ago, six months ago, a year ago. Time is weird um, <laughs> about characters who get reprinted with new colors, and in Magic, that's sort of telling the story over time. And and, and everybody, nobody is one thing, and so you could be multiple colors depending on the day or what you're dealing with. There are certain things, times at work where I probably have a different color pie thing, depending on what problem or not problem is popping up that day. But it is interesting looking at these characters like Arwen as a green blue elf. And then after the, after wedding into becoming queen of a nation, particularly a nation like Gondor, whose main city is represented as the white land Minas Tirith. She gains that white kind of loses that blue at least in this representation and interesting he basically goes between uh what where he is a strider 
Um, mm-hmm. And then, which then going to the green white when he's kind of taken on the role of at least the 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 leader of the yes. the party um, of the and, yeah, and you have you have him starting as green red as Strider, where he's mm-hmm. sort of the the ranger who's kind of out by operating by himself. I wouldn't say for himself because he's still. Um, within yes. the story, he is absolutely mm-hmm. the whole time. And depending on your talking book or movie, you know, in the movie, he's a little more unsure of whether he's taking the crown in the book. He knew he was doing it the whole time. It was just an eventuality. It way. was an eventuality. But still, how he operated was as sort of a solo agent out in the field. And that fits much more with the red. But then he becomes part of the fellowship. And now he takes on that white that he then carries into his kingship. Well, except... In between. <laughs> well, yes, in between. So that's the thing. That's what's interesting, right? Like, so that's where I was thinking that was uh, interesting is he becomes the uniter um, when he actually basically leads everybody. Yeah, um, when he leads he leads the coalition, coalition against the... Uh, against you know, Sauron. 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 And yeah. so, yeah, it, that, that Aragorn is red, green, white, blue. Every color, you know, not black. Four color, not black. For color, not black. For the obviously re- reason of in this, black is completely really is represented for for villainy. So I will say, right, like that's something that we talked about in here. Black within this is villainy yes. in this world. And Aragorn picks up the blue. He, his red comes back in from the Strider. He's obviously the full uniter, so he has that. And then once he's able to return back, but it is like that interesting thing, but as you said, Alex, because we don't have to worry about this for future sets, it's not a like, well, he picked this up and then he lost it as he gets married and you know why. And because it's supposed to tell him at different points in a story and the story is contained within one set or with one. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, and unless someone else wants to jump in to talk about Aragorn there, I did have two other characters I want to talk about in this context. And then I'm kind of good here. Should I jump onto those two? So um, I want to talk about Merry and Pippin, which I think is really interesting. They both start in just the booster set. I guess there is the ones from the the, the commander set, which I'll say I haven't had a chance to look over as much. I really like their commander pairing. So that's why I was asking. Well, then I think, do you mind talking about kind of bringing that in and talking about that too after sure, yeah, after you talk yeah go for it perfect that's awesome thank you so i love in the booster so there's two of each of them um and the their first ones and this is like sort of chronologically within and i also noticed this about arwen too now that i'm looking at it their first sort of chronologically within the story are uncommons and then their second card are printed as rares and so for both uh, peregrine took mariotic brandy book they're both mono green halflings they're both um, one doing stuff, making food. They're kind of being hobbits. And they also, those cards are representing their full names, Peregrine, Mariotic. But then they both sort of through the story adopt another land as sort of a, a place where they feel they belong. And that's where Mary Esquire of Rohan comes in later. And then Pippin, guard of the Citadel as a, as a, actually uh, maybe not an esquire but as a you know sworn soldier of gondor they both lose their green pick up mary in mary's case red and white which matches the colors of rohan if you look at some of the other legends like uh eomer and, and, and then 
Pippin picks up blue-white, which fits a lot of the Gondorian nobles and, and Imrahil, and and there's a, a Faramir that's blue-white. And so I just, I really, I found that really cool from a from a Lorth, you know, Vorthos standpoint, um, Melthos standpoint, even really, where they sort of pick up those colors. But yeah, how do how do the the ones for the commander decks work here? So. What I like about them, one, they have partner with each other, um, which is, you know, the point in the story where they were still inseparable before they go their separate ways anyways. Um, and they're, they're both, um, there's a shot of both of them at the same point in time when they're Warden of Isengard. That's their their title for both of them in the Commander product. So right, right after the sacking of Isengard. Uh, and... The uh, their abilities also um, obviously being designed together as a commander pair. Their abilities uh, trigger each other. With you know, Pippin makes a food token, which triggers Mary's ability, which makes a soldier token at the end of turn. A soldier token with life link. So one of them makes the food. The other one, you know, eats the food and makes a friend. Uh, I don't know why he makes a friend, but. Um, they're even in their art, you know. Uh, <laughs> Pippin's got one slice of the pie, and Mary has the rest of the pie with the slice missing. So the the art pair was pretty interesting. They're both by the same artist, oh, uh, Vic as so, I love that it. Is super cool. So, yeah, I just I thought they worked really well together, and that it was kind of the same point in time. And, and uh, interesting is this. Yeah, this is one of the cases, and I think this was just. Uh, I I don't know why the Hobbit deck is uh, Abzan and the Commander product, but uh, I, I guess you know the, the the legendary ambition of Hobbits apparently. Uh, mm-hmm. But Pippin is green, black, and this incarnation. So yeah, this is where you know the the Commander product I think doesn't follow the story quite as much as the main set product did in a lot of ways. Uh, mm-hmm. Where they it, it fits more where they tried to fit the characters in with color identity of the product necessarily than the other way around. That's what it felt like. I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Though it's interesting. They both have green at this point. I can see that. Um, but yeah, you know, that, that's interesting. Then capture them at that point. And I love how those two are together. You're right. That, that is super cool. How they mechanically um, help each other out, fuel each other's abilities. So uh, Alex, before you move on to your other, um, your other grouping. I just want to that highlight. The oh, okay, cool. I thought you had more. I thought you said, wow, ability to parse statements right now. Um, I wanted to note too, because one thing that the um, commander decks allow for is partners mm-hmm. and the main set does not. Now mm. this has made for some kind of like weird, almost like these like go-to already rule zeroed people. So things like, you know, Rosie Cotton of South Lane was with, Sam, um, you know, but like, but once again, they have mechanics that play off of each other. They have mechanics that work well together. Um, but, but more importantly, I think the, the biggest area that we really see this as being a, in my opinion, a miss, or I think they needed to find a different way to do it was to have a Gimli and Legolas counter of kills. Oh, so they, they both, like, I literally have two sitting here right now that somebody had sent me because I want to make my first ever quote unquote real rule zero deck because it doesn't even make sense for them. This is where they had an out that I don't know if it was 
So th- this is when we look at product design that I'm now wondering. Mm-hmm. So th- I'm thinking, you know, they didn't want to use partner within the larger piece of the set. I think they've tried to really limit how they're using partner. The commander decks, they're partner with specific people. So maybe they just, they didn't want to do anything with partner within the main set. Okay, that's fine. However, we just got out of, you know, the, what, what was it? Uh, from March of the Machines, that we no wait no is that what the set was? Yeah, the that most was the set yeah. before this one. Yeah, I know. So we time. we got yeah yeah. Well, but aftermath we got, was technically the last set. Yes, that was prior to aftermath is when we actually got the mashup characters, right? Yes. That, they, so we had mashup characters, and we see it with Arwen and Aragorn, but giving us two counters of kills <laughs> who yeah. play well together. You know, it's like whenever a creature an opponent controls dies, it deals, Gimli deals one damage, and whenever a creature an opponent dies, put a plus one, plus one on Legolas, right? Like, you have these, like, symbiotic things of character, of, if creatures are dying among two people who are counting kills. And one of my, like, favorite translations from book to movie, like, that they actually yeah. are counting out their kills in this very, like, weird way for, like, a book. Um, but, like they don't get to be partners and or or have a mashed up card which was to me there was a few others like i said the salmon and rosie yeah. uh some way to have goldberry and tom bombadil and but this one that to me was the biggest too broken to let them be rule zero <laughs> together oh yeah no no that's what i mean those <laughs> yeah. two, those two yeah. I would, those two are more just from a story perspective <laughs> i really would have liked I would have liked yeah. a mashup card. But maybe to have a side yeah. card. Because they did that with Aragorn and Arwen, but is that the only one that's two characters yeah. together? Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. They're the ones that kind of cross the threshold, I think. I mean, they obviously they only had so much room in the set for this, and I think yeah, they decided to, to burn that slot on that particular pairing. Sure. That's fair. But, um, Making me feel a little bit bad for... No, but I mean, it would Gimli be cool. and Gimli and Leg- Legolas right now. They deserve to be partners. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, yeah. You know, they, they, they spent the rest of their lives. Partners. They spent the rest they of did. their lives traveling around together, just being pals. I mean, just, just friends, just, just the best yeah, of friends. Absolutely. Just the best of friends. Yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that was one that was a little bit of a like bummer because I, I loved the counter of kills idea and the fact that i do i do appreciate though that if they're gonna do it they did it with both of them having those as names yeah yeah i do i do think though i mean that is a rule zero deck i would always allow that is an awesome idea for a rule zero deck yep yep I agree. i'm sure there's a cool commander you can stick in there if some jerk actually says you can't yeah like, there's like, got to be some alternate commander that fits in that color scheme what, really so funny is like i was gonna say whatever i choose is gonna be stronger <laughs> like, yes that's yeah. exactly what you <laughs> yeah. yeah like like i'm gonna play rug and it not be too uncommons basically yeah like, yeah okay <laughs> um the whole idea of characters at different points in time i think is fantastic the really cool piece that they chose to do for this which they i mean i think I don't know the Warhammer 40k, so you'll have to... Did they have Planeswalkers in that? No. Okay. Mm. So they continue to decide to not do Planeswalkers within this. You know, I know that we've t- yeah. we talked about... They, they did, did it for, the for the D&D sets, right? Yes, that's right. Okay. So they did it in D&D, but they basically came out and said, you know, Lord of the Rings doesn't have Planeswalkers, basically. Um, and sense. so we're not going to do that. Planes, so, you know... <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, that, that makes sense for D and D versus another property. I mean, and, and yet thinking about, and I can't remember all the planeswalkers in the, the D and D sets, but you've got things like Elminster, who is a really powerful wizard who probably did walk planes. And beyond that, it was like God level beings. Yeah, a lot Lotlith. of, well, um, who else? Uh, Minskin Boo did get. Oh, Minskin Boo got it. Yeah, okay. Minskin Boo did get yeah, But yeah, Sorry. that. that <laughs> yeah. They, that they got, theory. Yeah, they <laughs> got, except that I think that was like the, the like. Yeah. What's, what's, the, what's the rule of cool rule where people just yeah. like you a <laughs> lot? Yeah. It's like rule That's of it. super that is popular. Super cool. That's yeah. fine. That, like, <laughs> yeah. But it's so, like we didn't get like Gandalf, um, who really yeah. is reborn in a way that could have yeah. been seen as a sparking think, type moment even yeah, within I, the story yeah i think you're you're probably there's a handful you probably oh why can't i think uh, of them Gandalf the white is strong enough it didn't need to be a planeswalker yeah. no 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 <laughs> That's, that the, is very um, true <laughs> <laughs> i can't think of what they're called but get the wizards the 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 five wizards which i noticed we yeah. didn't get the two blue wizards but that makes sense uh the Ishtarian books yeah yeah they could probably have been planeswalker cards maybe a tom bombadil though we don't know what tom bombadil is doing i mean we do have gods i like the god like him as a creature who's a god makes sense yep and i i think like i I think the biggest case would have been made for gandalf just with the rebirth more than anything um but then it doesn't make sense and i so i appreciate that they didn't do it like i'm gonna yeah yeah, I actually very much appreciate that they didn't. Um, it is wild to basically see the gray be this like, is it kind of, you know, uh, it's sorcery spellcaster go to then be the white. It would that was such. I mean, I understand Gandalf the white is white, but it, it was a really cool moment card wise to see that yeah. transition. Yeah, that's cool. And also, I think it's funny to. Uh, juxtapose him a little bit to Saruman who yeah. Saruman the white is mono blue which is funny to me but fits like it actually does fit I mean it, it really actually does because it tells the story of the fact that he is really not a white aligned planeswalker right I mean yeah. like yeah. he's no I mean that, I mean it's fantastic now we could get into debate of if Saruman of if, if, if an esper Saruman of many colors reaches the criteria for many or not i guess i, I mean yeah i don't it, know about many it just colors. rolls off the tongue better than saruman <laughs> of several colors yes yeah i mean and, and technically from a, a name and title standpoint he was still saruman the white the whole time but saruman the white who was kind of corrupted a little bit by t- communicating with sauron too much and digging into ring lore does not fit on a card name yeah <laughs> <laughs> So I, mean, I think I mean, Saron of Many Colors it's is just, a pithy version of that. <laughs> <laughs> it's just an uncard with, you know, elemental, what, what, what it was the, we made this card to have the longest name ever, Elemental. Yep. Yeah. That's really, really funny. Was it yes, I mean, Research? I, I, Sorry. That... Many Colors 3? Yeah. Uh, really? I mean, it, it, it's fair, but I, I think it's, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know what else you would have called him. It's a it's a decent name. Maybe there's a better name, but I think it's it's fine. I do like the colors there. To talk about color change, to go back to what I was saying before that I said I was done talking about. Well, I do no, like no, the no, color no. identity shift. Sorry, well, I, no, I just bet the 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 the, many, the ceremony of many colors does come from the book. Yeah, 
So I'm just saying, yeah. he couldn't pick up like red. Maybe I don't know. That's fair. I yeah, maybe with the orcs, but I I like that color identity for him. Obviously, the blue when he was mono blue was all about the knowledge and the research. That was a big part of what he did at the time. But then, you know, black and white kind of fits for I think what he was doing. Just sort of a I'm going to burn the world down to save it and sort of thing, which I don't know, kind of fits the I want to talk about who is it, the black and white um, king of the Oathbreakers. Or or not the king of, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, there's another thing too, but like king of the Oathbreakers. Black and white. Yep. Um, I, I like that black and white identity for the, the King of the Oathbreakers, and honestly, a little bit for Denethor too, because that fits a lot of the identity I've seen for Orzov. It's it's a black and white, gen- generally a black and white thing, sort of the white is very much about the community, but then you had black and it's like, we're very much about our community and don't care about anyone else. And that f- really fits there. And so I kind of like that sort of pairing with the blue for Saruman to be his sort of transformation over time. Yeah, I don't see the white coming white, back it, into it. After in that it. case, it's white is about order. In yeah. there, it's it's not about it's not about. And in most, for the most part, most of the white characters in this set are part of you know kingdoms and things, and a lot of the good, the forces, you know, trying to fight for good. But in this case, for Saruman, I think this is one of the cases where it's black, where it's bringing in sort of the. The, the the darker side if if you were maybe not the right way to say it, but we see it with lotho um yeah the sheriff yeah, i mean yeah yeah, yeah i guess and, and I, even I, in I denethor to some degree where it's like that's the oh it makes sense to be from denethor side yeah. yeah yeah because white is the color of gondor that's true and so even as he's sort of selfish and yeah doing his own thing i see it a lot clearer there than i do for saruman that's yeah, fair. That's, that's fine. Really that's fine. And and yeah. honestly, a, bl- a blue black Saruman wouldn't have bothered me either. At cool. That point, I but I just think all this talk about Saruman's color identity, we're overlooking the best single line of text in this whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> which which okay. is the the Balrog Durin's vein can't be blocked except by legendary creatures. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is beautiful. <sighs> Man. The Balrog needed, uh, yeah. I wanted a more powerful Balrog. I did too. I was, yeah. Uh, and I wanted him to make a, a stand on if he had wings or not. <laughs> but then they would have had a debate: does he have flying and still have wings or not? That would have yeah. been hard. Sorry, I'm getting deep now in the lore. Yeah, there's so much to talk about. Like, I feel like I could sit here for another like, couple of hours. <laughs> There, I mean, we could go. We could go almost card by card through this. Yeah, set. we could. I know. I think that I'm is reading, the point. I'm reading the yeah. other Belrog, and that also has a really good bit of text. That when a legendary creature an opponent controls dies, put the Balrog Flame of Udun on the bottom of its owner's slime. <laughs> yeah, like that's what's so bad about it. Like it's, it's so bad. bad. That, that, that is the, that's the one from the starter deck. That is meant that so is okay. Bad. Oh, the, yeah, other one, the other one is a combo tastic, uh, combo tastic so... sack piece. Uh, I don't know if you've read the other one. The other one no, is, uh, but that is so flavorful. One less for each permanent sacrifice this turn. It's a seven oh, five a good one. Uh, and when it dies, destroy an artifact or creature an opponent controls. 
So you can get into sack loops and basically blow up opponents' boards uh, with it. Cool. But yeah, I just I love that when a, a legendary creature dies, it goes to its the bottom of. That, <laughs> yeah. that's, the, that's the thing that Gandalf said. Like at the, they just fell. It's and pure it's flavor. Oh it, is, God, it is. It yeah. is so pure good. flavor. Like that is the like epitome of yeah. it, right? Like yeah. Um, nine Nazgul with different artwork. Oh like, yeah, which is super cool. And you can play all... nine. The deck that you can have up to nine of. Nine, I yeah. mean, there's just as I'm and going they're, through, they're this, like they're expensive too. They're uncommon. It depends on the variant. They're yeah. they're yeah. expensive uncommons because you need all nine of them for your deck, right? Because how? Yes. Why would you if you ran two of the same art? I, I would call you out and tell you, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, this game is over. Yeah, yeah. Even you just need nine of them to begin with, so you know, getting nine to start with is on an uncommon isn't. Yeah, I opened it's... a box. I got one. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, couple of cool. I like card names. I'm always a big fan of card names that are after lines. So. You cannot pass, uh, giving us the correct, which he says both versions of them in the movie. But this is kind of that nod to sticking more book like, I think, than we are movie like. Um, but you cannot pass, um, fight like fly you fools. Is that also yeah. have a card? Um, mm-hmm. so I like, I like ones like that. I'm a big sucker for, for cards like that. Yeah. I mean, it's too greedily, too deep in yep. the uh, yeah. in yep. the commander decks that just has a picture it's a sorcery but it has a picture of the Belrog and the yeah the art now for wrath now for rune is a, a you know a pre-combat oh. trick but that's another just great card title that is a beautiful title um so one thing we have not and is it of herbs and stewed rabbit isn't that a chapter title yep yeah yep. there's a lot yep mm-hmm. when they're yeah so I'm wondering, well, what I'm really like, we haven't done one thing to talk about is who this sit, set pissed off, aka the, <laughs> the, the right people. Um, yeah. So yeah. It, I, I love the fact that it's like people who, yeah, I don't know. So I, I just want to recognize that there were people that were very upset with the set because Aragorn is black. Um, mm-hmm. Oh no! That's the main. Oh no! That's the yeah. main one. Like, there's other things that they could have chosen, but for some reason, that seems to be the one that was hit on. I guess um, for shocking reasons, it makes sense to no one why that would be the thing out of any of the others. And I swore uh, they weren't racist; they were just being true to the source material. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. yeah, we'll ignore the true the source material about the fact that he couldn't grow a beard, and the Aragorn that they're mainly referring to had a very nice beard for a very long time. Um, but but I, I I mean I do want to. That didn't bother them. <laughs> that didn't. That's it's fine. That part's fine. It's a beard. It's a beard. It's not skin yeah. color. His skin color is obviously yeah. important yeah. to the story. Um, but I I do I did appreciate right like they wanted this to be Lord of the Rings for everybody and let me be honest like yeah. Tolkien. <laughs> Not the most diverse person. <laughs> like, no. First, first let, let's say, you know, Wizards did not make this choice. This product was made in conjunction with Tolkien's estate. So yes. it wasn't, you know, they, when you That's do the a, other thing. When you make a product like this, you don't make changes without consulting with the company yes. that owns the IP. So this wasn't this just a, Wizards being woke. And it's also a litigious company who, like, yes. 
does not let people do, like they are they will come down on people when it comes to anything to do with the ip I mean, mm-hmm. they are known for that. It's like Disney levels yes. of like the estate being very predict- protective. So I am thankful to have a like a, a world of Lord of the Rings that is much more diverse. And, you know, I know we are we're already getting that with some of the Amazon uh, TV show mm-hmm. itself. But this was yeah. a, a very nice nod to have it throughout the car just there. Like, it's just there. It's on car. The same people showed up for the Amazon TV show, too, when there's like, oh, no, we can't have black elves. Yep. Yep. And Gladriel's too powerful. Yeah. Right. I'm like, that makes me really want to say you've never read the books. Right. Yeah. I know. You've literally never read the whole thing. Yeah. You you missed the whole point where she says she could become another Dark Lord herself. Right. Do you not understand? She actually (laughs) was one of the few who actually came over to this from like paradise basically right. like left yeah. it she's one of the few beings that knows what that was like yeah sorry um but yes i mean i just i i i'm i i am very happy overall with this set it's the first that i bought a box of in a while that i've actually opened that i i, I actually went through the cards in what was your box topper uh god it was horrible what's the worst oh, box no. topper that's probably what it was uh the bajuka bog probably barrow downs no that would have been better i i mean yeah. i'll always take a bajuka bog so like yeah. that's hard uh no 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 it, i'm like trying to pull back to see what it was but it was bad I mean, financially i was thinking that would be the word i got um I got Dolomoth, which is Mono school at water's edge which is a card that really needed a reprinting Oh, oh God, no, I, I now remember what I got. I got, uh, like, not only is it not even that exciting of a Lord of the Rings reference, it's it's because it's M- Medusaled, the Golden Hole of Edoras, great. It's oh. Ardenvale. <laughs> like, it's really not Oh, good. that is bad. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Not, not that I didn't get, I wasn't Dolan Marth I got it, it was Buckbellard Fairy. It was the Oberoth Palace in the Clouds. That's the one that hadn't gotten reprinted in a while. Oh, yeah. Yep, the one that you can bounce. Yeah, bounce itself. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, first I mean, when I opened it, I was like, "Wow, this is disappointing because it's Buckberry Fairy," and I'm like, I hadn't realized it hadn't been reprinted since whatever Champions set it was in. I'm like, uh, oh, apparently Kamadawa. it was a yeah. Apparently it was a rare card. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh. So this, but I'll just say, like, this is a way, like, I, I, I. I have been waiting, and I think that they have shown, as you said, Alex, there was early on a lot of, like, mistrust. There was a lot of, like, feeling that it was fumbled, how it was done, cash grab type stuff. At this point, I think we're just in a world where, like, it's there, and they've actually taken a lot of care. Um, You know, this was, like, to me, a precursor for setting up the fact that we have Doctor Who coming as one of the next ones. Uh, I cannot wait for Doctor Who. Once they announced that it was going to be Commander Plains Chase... Yep. I uh, I was already excited for it, but then I was sold because that cannot be a better pairing for that IP. And, yeah, I, and I've said this on here before in many other places. The first place that I ever met Gavin Verhey in human form was at a uh, was at a Doctor Who convention in LA. So I, I, I he, the, the man used to cosplay as is is David Tennant Doctor all the time. Like that was his cosplay pre- previously doing kind of anything magic related. Uh, I, I am now feeling very, very good about that set coming out. But this was fun to sit down with you two and just literally get to sit and talk about Lord of the Rings and 
what Wizards is doing with these universe beyonds that, you know, I, I was on the fence about when they started coming out with them. I'm um, not yeah. going to lie. And as you said, Alex, I think it was that feeling, the product fatigue, but then at the same time, well, we're, we're there even with without these in some ways. Yeah, sorry. It didn't add anything for me on that. Yeah, yeah. And, and I was a little worried. Not a lot, but I was a little worried how this stuff would sort of fit. I think that's, it's fine. I mean, it still honestly feels weird when I cast like a a Warhammer 40k War Medic in my Tejada deck, Um, you know, but whatever. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, and she's still bringing people back from the dead. It happens in magic all the time. It's, you know, whatever. There, I, I will say, because there's going to be a lot of upgrades for my Sir Gwen equipment deck, and it's going to be kind of funny to get to equip Sting and Glamdring, and, you know, yeah, there, there's gonna, it's going to be an interesting thing, I think, the first time I actually do that, but I'm looking forward to it. Well, we're, I, you know, audience, you out there listening, hopefully, um, we're just glad to be back together and recording. Um I, I personally have just really missed you all and, you know, both Alex and Taya and, and the audience that isn't, that is only a theoretical audience. Um, but it's, it's been, it's been, I've missed this. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was good. I'm glad we could all record again. And this was, this was a good topic. I wasn't sure when this was coming out. I was like, this, you know, we talk about lore and stuff, but we talk about magic. Is this relevant? And so I was kind of not sure. And then you both, we're like, should we talk about this? It's like, well, I guess if we're all thinking, maybe we should. That it, it, it was good. And I, this was a good, a good episode. I'm yeah, glad we did this. So we'll be back soon. We got, we got, we have plans. We still have plans to address the uh, the fifth anniversary. So if you were listening, I am still taking submissions, um, just because of the delay of everything. So just you can email uh, a quick hit on what the cast means to you, anything that you want to about it. Um, and just to goblin lore podcast at gmail.com. Uh, once again, that's goblin lore podcast at gmail.com. I'll be collecting those, but we'll be acknowledging our fifth anniversary a little bit, uh, in a little bit better style as we missed it. The, the month of June. So see you all soon. And that's our show for today. You can find all of the hosts on Twitter for now. Hobbs can be found at Hobbs Q. Tay can be found at Taya Transcends, and Alex can be found at Mel underscore Chronicler. Feel free to send us any questions, comments, thoughts, hopes, and dreams to the Goblin Lore Pod on Twitter, or email us at goblinlorepodcast at gmail.com. If you would like to support your friendly neighborhood gobslugs, our link tree can be found on our Twitter account and in the description of today's show. This has everything from various discount codes to the link for our Patreon. The music for today's show was by Bindergotten, who can be found at Vintergotten at Bandcamp.com. The art was done by Stephen Raphael, who can be found at Steve Raffle on Twitter. Goblin Lore is proud to be presented by Hipsters of the Coast as part of their growing Vorthos content. Check them out on Twitter at HipstersMTG or online at HipstersOfTheCoast.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, goblins, like snowflakes, are only dangerous in numbers.